listening to It's All About Perspective with your hosts, Abigail Peterson from Kindergarten Chaos and Principal Robert Hinchliffe. Join us as we discuss education from various points of view. Take the challenge of listening to see if your opinion changes. But no matter where you stand on the issues, remember, it's all about perspective. Hello and welcome to episode number seven of It's All About Perspective. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm Abigail Peterson from Kindergarten Chaos. And I am Robert Hinchliffe, principal of Tyrone Thompson Elementary School in Las Vegas, Nevada, and we have a great topic today. So, Robert, you, as I've said before, I like to read. I like to read facts. I like to read all education information. And I was reading online that on February 22nd, just a few short weeks ago, that the U.S. Department of Education said, came out and said they will not allow states to cancel standardized exams like it happened last spring a year ago. Despite the pandemic, despite so many schools being in blended online, and for instance, our district up until two weeks ago, we were completely distance learning. So it got me to thinking about testing. It's a hot topic. It's something that I see all the time on social media. I know you do too. I've seen you do quotes. Got me to thinking, what is the purpose of testing? Is it for the competency of students or is it to see the competency of teachers? I think you could take it a step further too, is to see the competency of a school. Okay. So what is the purpose? You can give the teacher's perspective and I'll give the admin perspective. Sure. And it depends on what what test we're talking about. If we're talking about in Nevada, K-5, we take MAP and we take SBAC. So if you're talking about MAP, then you would be seeing how well the kids are doing on certain skills in your grade level Mm -hmm. or potentially a grade level above or below, depending on. If we're talking about SBAC, then, of course, we're seeing how well the students understand the grade level that they're in. So from an admin perspective, I like MAP much more, and I think it can be valuable because it shows whether or not you, Abby, are meeting kids' needs at their level. Assuming mm-hmm. assuming they know how to click, they know mm-hmm. how to scroll, they know how to you know follow arrows and things of that nature and use technology. So there's that component to it. From a school aside, we have SBAC, and that's what we're judged on mostly. I'm not a huge fan because it's one test. There's four sections or more in fifth grade. The kid has a bad day. The kid's dog died. If grandma's sick, whatever, it's going to skew that score and potentially mark your school down. So from the admin side, I would say there are some assessments that are good because they give you a good judge of teacher ability or the job the teacher is doing now. And I'm sure you'll want to argue with me about that, which is good. But some assessments definitely are not good because I don't think they're a fair representation of what's going on in school. Absolutely. And I have always felt like all assessments are just a snapshot. It should be used as just a snapshot. But instead, I feel like there's always been so much emphasis on especially standardized testing. And you brought up MAPS. And MAP test, when that was brought to our district a couple years ago, we went from taking um, the discovery test in 
a couple years ago with kindergartners to the MAP test. And it was insane because you take the MAP test in the first two to three weeks of school. And we're talking about pre-COVID. So most five-year-olds, some even four when they started kindergarten, had never had exposure to a computer, certainly not even a desktop computer. Many of them had had experience maybe with a laptop, definitely an iPad or some sort of device. But come on, we're talking about archaic school equipment, desktop computers with a mouse, And these kids have never had experience with that. And you're expecting them to take a test and keep headphones on and listen and follow directions. And I just felt like that first map test was, it was not helpful at all. I don't know that it was helpful to you as a teacher, but it got a baseline of where they're at coming into kindergarten. Is it accurate? Maybe, maybe not. But it's a baseline. So if you had the baseline and they couldn't scroll and they couldn't do X, Y, mm-hmm. and Z, but then in December or January they could, then I think that shows growth. I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna give you a little bit of I agree with you, but again, not completely. And just like you you brought up the point about a kid having a bad day or a kid, their dog died or, or they didn't get enough sleep. The same thing happens in kindergarten. I have a perfect example. I had a student that took the map test in August. And when we took it again in January, she went down like 15 points. Well, you can't go back and redo it. And guess what we found out? I said to her mom, we took the map test again today. And I I don't understand this, but she went down tremendously. And the mom came to me the next day and said, oh, well, I asked her about it. And she said she didn't hear anything in her headphones. Right. And so, and I remember remember us, yeah, and we brought this up in meetings because, you know, that we couldn't redo the test. We, we asked, we even asked, I remember our assistant principal reached out to higher ups and was like, can we retake this? And it was like, no, you can't. So is that an accurate representation? I understand that it's one student, but I think that it happens more than we think it does. Unfortunately, I think with the assessments, that's one of the downsides. You came and you said, okay, this couldn't, this student couldn't hear. And I was like, that's a valid reason. Absolutely. No problem. We won't worry about that one. But you can't do that on some, like the SBAC, you cannot, you cannot appeal the results. You cannot um, mm-hmm. say, oh, you know, we had a XYZ happen. So that one, I feel, is just less accurate because we can't control kind of the outcome a little bit. Um, and that's what we're graded on. And I, I don't like that assessment, again, as I said. So anyway, when you're looking to map, though, I agree with what you're saying, but there has to be some way to assess kids to show whether or not you as a teacher are teaching what you're supposed to. I I do agree with that. I I will always stand to say that there has to be some form of measurement because if we just let teachers in a building just go off of what they feel or what they think or however they want to assess, I think you're going to have everything from A to Z. So I do think there needs to be, that's why it's called a standardized test. There has to be a standard measurement. So I understand that. What I oppose is the amount of credit that is put, if so to speak, that is put into those tests. For instance, a school gets money based on those results. And that is not okay. 
That is not okay. One thing that I have tried to figure out, I'm just not smart enough to, is a way to rate schools based upon more factors than just testing. So you have low SES or Title I or ELL. You could work your tail off at that school and do everything right. And you have a myriad of other outside influences that are causing your assessments to be low. When you go to an affluent area, you don't work your tail off. Those kids come in reading. Now, I'm not saying teachers in affluent areas don't work hard. Don't take me wrong. But it's a different get yourself ball in game. Some hot water. <laughs> well, it's a different ball game. And anybody that anybody that's honest with themselves will freely tell you that there's a difference between low SES and high high SES schools. There's a different problems. I mean, you have parent over involvement at a high mm-hmm. SES school versus parent under involvement at a low SES school. But to rate schools at a high SES versus low SES based upon an SBAC is asinine. That's not fair because that test does not, it does not assess a student's grit, their perseverance, how they got to school that day. It doesn't assess whether or not they ate the night before. It doesn't assess whether or not they saw any kind of trauma the night before. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it is only assessing reading or math And there is much more to life than that. I just saw a study. It was a great one. They did a survey of millionaires. The average GPA of millionaires was 2.9 in high school. But you know what they all have? They have grit, perseverance. They can conquer dips. If we could do a test that measured that, I will bet the farm that a lot of the schools in the lower SES areas are doing quite well. But unfortunately, we use these tests that we have. And it's amazing to me how we've made such significant strides in other fields and other, except for education. So for instance, a medical field, it has made tremendous, you know, if you think about 25 years ago to what it is now, it's, there have been tremendous strides made in, in the medical field and in technology. I mean, 20 years ago, I I was let me let me think about it. I think I had a cell phone that only had the snake game on it. You know what I mean? And now 20 years later, you can do everything with your smartphone with your with your iPhone or but let's or think Android. about that. Go I mean you can well, continue. I, let me just yeah, let me finish what I was going to say. Education seems to be the one the one place that we're not advancing. Now, do I think there are teachers and do I think there are admin? Do I think there are school districts that are trying and really pushing forward and trying to break out of our archaic our archaic ways? Yes. But do I think the system in general is still stuck in, in these assessments that, like you said, this, this study shows that we need to be spending more time on problem solving and more time on grit and more time on focusing in on this instead of, okay, can you do this problem? Can you do this math problem? Or can you do the thing that drives me crazy is fluency speed, speed. Okay. The speed rating test. I do not agree with that. And I'll tell you why my daughter is 13 years old. She's almost 14 in a couple weeks. And she went to the school that you and I both were at her whole academic career from kindergarten to fifth grade. Okay. She had amazing teachers. She, you know, had a support system at home. She is a good reader. She was never a fast reader, never a fast reader. Now, as her parent, and even as a teacher, 
I'm totally okay with that. Not everybody's a speed reader. And she could comprehend and she had all of those literacy components and and reading um, comprehension strategies that we want her to have. She's able to write. She wrote an essay today, you know, for school. She's told, I feel like she's right on track where she could be, but we had to, not we, but her teachers in, I don't remember which grade had to put her, I think it was in second and third grade, had to put her in RTI because she did not meet the fast reading quote. Now, how ridiculous is that? I agree with you. And so I think that's where admin out there, you have to be able to listen to your teachers. If you know a student can comprehend, why does it matter how fast they go? You know, if, it, if, if your daughter, I remember her well, we share the same birthday, but if she can comprehend at a DRA 40 in fourth grade, or a 15th and 5th grade, but it takes her extra time. Why do we care? I, I don't, like I said, it blows my mind. Right. I just don't think that speed, and not just, be, I thought this before my daughter, before she was put in RTI for this, but I just don't think that speed is equivalent to good reading. I agree. Or understanding, comprehending. And so, again, this is one of those assessments that I think are archaic. How many people do you know that grow up and when you go to get a job interview, they want to see how many words you read per minute? None. That's laughable. Yeah. So, I mean, we're kind of jumping all over here because it's such a big topic. Um, You know, like just to continue on MAP, because MAP is huge in Clark County. It's the big one. Mm -hmm. I, I have many thoughts on it. If I was governor or president, which I'll never be, I would change it. And I would say that you are judged based upon a student's growth from kindergarten to fifth grade. How many mm-hmm. kids did you get to fifth grade level using a map or using whatever? How many students do you have on grade level, according to map, at the end of their time with you? Now, that's hard because some schools only have you know three or four kids that travel K through five. But there's, I think the problem is that there's no good way to really do an assessment that's fair and equal. And that's why we get into this conversation about so many assessments, because there's not a really good way. You know, like, it frustrates me if I I gave this idea to someone, and I know you won't understand it because you don't watch sports, but in baseball, there's what's called a war, a wins above replacement. And they can rate everybody on a war, and no matter who they plug into a certain position, it will tell you, basically how they rate. They're worth two wins or they're worth negative two wins based upon their skill set. If we could come up with something like that for schools that weighed in all these factors and said, this school is average, this school is five stars, this is one star, and it was some kind of equal playing field, that would be beneficial. The problem is, is in education, that's just not possible. So here we mm-hmm. get go and talk about all these assessments. You know, like we have a Brigance, and I know you love Brigance. Mm-hmm. We are mandated to do brigands in Nevada for all kindergartners. Why? <laughs> now, for anybody who doesn't know what brigands is, let me explain. So the very first week of kindergarten, when you have new little babies, and that's not meant in a derogatory way, that's that's my kinder heart saying these are my babies. They come in. Like I said, some of them are four because our age limit here is they have to be five by September 30th. So if you have a four-year-old up until September 29th, you could you could have 
you know, have a four-year-old in your classroom. So we have four-year-olds, we have five-year-olds, some that are close to six, right? And you give this Brigance test, it has to be a one-on-one test. It was designed to be a one-on-one test. You tell me what, we do not have aides here in Clark County School District. I never had an aide, okay? You are required to give this test one-on-one. Who in their in their kindergarten classroom has time, for, even if you only had 20 students, who has time to do a one-on-one test that takes 20 minutes, 20 to 25 minutes? Who has time for that? And again, nobody. I agree. So we got you subs so that you could do it. So then we're yes. spending money on subs. Thus, I can prove to you always that subs cause regression, no matter how good they are. Some just cause less. So we had amazing subs of Smith, but still it causes regression. So let's just think about this. This one assessment, let's take this one on just for a second. You have an assessment, Abby, the Brigance, mm-hmm. which basically asks kids where their elbow is or can they walk mm-hmm. in a straight line or can they jump? You have to get a sub in order to do that, in order to knock it out for 20 minutes each kid. You have to do paperwork. So what is the return on investment of doing the Brigance? There isn't any. Zero, zero for me. And I'll tell you why, because none of that information, none of it is, is to me applicable to where I want the student, where, where I need the students, where they're at. And it, it was very, I hate to say it, but useless information. And to me, the purpose of assessments is to drive instruction. And I am not teaching how to walk toe to heel to toe. That's not a standard for me. And so that is, that was really useless. What was beneficial is when I did ESGI with students. And basically those were assessments that I chose that were useful to me and to the families because I saw, okay, what letters can they identify? Can they, do they know sounds? Do they know beginning sounds? Can, what can they count to? Can they identify these colors? Then I took that information and said, okay, these kids already know their letters. They're going, you know, I can start working with them here. These, these kids need this. And I was able to differentiate depend determined by that specific data. I used Brigance for nothing. It was such a waste of my time. This leads into kind of the whole thing. What assessments are worth your time? I know Brigance isn't. And I also know in kindergarten, I can go back to math now. See, it's it's just a topic that takes you all over. If you score below the 40th percentile in math in Clark County, you then have to have what's called an SLPP. And the teacher has to let the parent know that your kid is below the 40th percentile. Last time I checked, average was between the 25th and 75th. Why are we notifying parents their kids below or their kids average? And then if a student just had a bad day and scored in the 39th percentile, but they can clearly read in kindergarten, maybe they don't know how to use the mouse. Maybe they don't. Maybe their computer glitched. Maybe their hearing wasn't working in their headphones. You now have to do an SLPP, which is more work. And I guarantee you the teacher in first grade isn't looking at that SLPP. So, again, it's all about return on investment of time. Yes. And I don't know where we're at with that. And I will tell you that that first map test that we take in kindergarten, that's the first couple weeks of kindergarten, there are quite a few students I would say, I would even venture to say even half to the majority of the class that are going to be under that 40th percentile, just because you expect them 
to come in. And yeah, I would love for them to come in with all of the correct letter names and correct sounds. And but that's not, not and you know what? And 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 I am totally okay with it because that's my job to teach them. So I have I am perfectly fine if they come in with no letter names and no sounds and they need to be taught because that's my job and that's what I want to do, right? So they take this math test and then now I have to turn around and hand a letter to a family. And guess what? You, how many families came up to the office panicked and upset? It happened all the time, every time, because families don't, you know, they're, they're panicking and they're like, it's, we're only, you know, three or four weeks into the school year and my child's behind and they're freaking out. And I understand. And I would have to calm them down. I'd say, look, I don't, I don't even believe these results. So (laughs) calm down. It's okay. I promise your child is right where they're supposed to be, or they're even ahead of the game. This is just something that we have to do. And like you said, then we'd have to do this whole plan. And so one thing that I really appreciated what you did and what our assistant principals that were also helping and supporting us as well. What I really appreciated was that you guys, especially to kinder and first, you guys extended a lot of, if you want to say grace to us and said, okay, you guys, let's give them a few weeks of instruction and let's see who is actually making gains. And let's see the kids that after nine weeks of instruction haven't are not making the gains, then we'll focus on them. And I appreciated that because most of the time in kindergarten, you know, you're going to have 70 to 80% that are making the required growth. I would say it's even 90%. And it's called confirm or disconfirm period is what we kind of called it. You have nine weeks to confirm or disconfirm that there may or may not be some kind of issue. You can tell, you kindergarten teachers know within about three seconds who is going to struggle and who is not? I learned my lesson with kindergarten one of the first years where I started doing a different form of RTI. And I had like a list of like 38 kindergartners that first semester and at the or at that first assessment uh, in August. And then in December, there was down to like four. Why are we doing all the paperwork when you guys are going to take care of 90% of the kids? So again, now let's. And Robert, that is called trust in your teachers as well. That's called trust in your teachers, because how many schools do we know of? And I am getting really passionate about this I know. because how many schools do we know that they don't trust their teachers and they still make them write these SLP plans, which guess what happens? That means I have to spend my prep or I have to spend after school or before school at home, even getting up early in the morning to write these plans because I don't have time during the well, school day to do that. You're, and here's another, I mean, this is a whole different issue. We should do funding sometime. Some schools pay teachers extra duty time to do their SLPPs. When you are a successful small school in a low mm-hmm. income area, as we were, you don't have funding to pay people to do extra stuff. So going back to it, SLPPs, they then became a burden, so to speak, on teachers because it's another mandate that they had to do. But now let's take what we've talked about, Abby, and let's fast forward it to distance learning and this year. Okay. Okay. We have done maps. Uh, We have Mm -hmm. to do them. Well, we tried. It was hard on distance (laughs) learning. I got frustrated. Eventually, I'm like, we're not trying anymore. We're not wasting more time. Okay, let me just... Let me just insert right here. Okay. How valid is a test that a student is doing at home 
with their mom or dad or grandma or babysitter sitting next to them and doing the tests for them. Now, is that every single student? No. But now we have schools that all of a sudden went up in in star ratings because because there was people doing the tests. Well, now you're jumping a little ahead. They didn't go up in star ratings, but the students the students did. That was my dramatic. Oh, sentence. okay, all right, all right, drama. <laughs> um, but. You look, we did have some kids in second grade reading at eighth grade level, which you know is not right. So what I told the teachers was pick three students that took the test and you know did a good job, or five. Pick those same three that were at every lesson online, and then take those same three that you know did a good job on the second assessment, and that is your litmus test. That is your benchmark, those three to five students. If they have gaps and you know they did their best, and you know they're missing areas, then you know that you need to hit those more. What what ends up happening, though, admin, big picture, and I got frustrated this year, is they lump you all together, and they basically show you as a school where you land. And it's not that Thompson landed in a bad spot, but I felt like we should have done better. So then I'm like, what the heck's going on? Then I've got to pump the brakes and remember, this is distance learning. So. It's one of those things where now in the next month, like just get a load of this one. This one just this one just makes us cringe. Fourth and fifth graders are coming back April 6th. April 12th, we are starting SBACs. Some schools are starting SBACs next week. Some schools are bringing kids back to do SBACs. Okay, so let's just go with fifth grade what my daughters are in. They're going to come back and they're going to do SBAC in fifth grade six days the first two weeks they're back. Then they're going to do MAP after that in May. So we're bringing kids back in April for their mental health, but yet they're going to spend how many days in April and May doing SBAC or MAP? Way too many. That is one of the key problems that, that drives me crazy because what is our return on investment here? Number one, they're not changing the star ratings next year, so it has no bearing. Number two, how accurate is the data, really? It depends, again, on the student. I think the scores are going to go down now for two reasons. One, the kids have no stamina. And two, mom and dad is not sitting next to them. So how accurate is this data? And we're already so far behind, but now we've got to spend probably, in my mind, eight days in fifth grade on testing. This makes no sense. And I know there's things on Instagram that say, well, we should, we should cancel testing this year. You're right. We should, at minimum, get rid of the SBAC. My guess is it's probably financially tied into the government or to the ESSA Act. But still, this this proves this year, I think, that people above us are just out of touch with reality. They don't understand, especially at my school, which is brand new. Hey, fifth graders, congratulations. You get to come on campus to a school you've never been to. And you get to sit in a classroom you've never been in. And you've never seen the teacher in real life, most likely, sit out and take a test. That sounds great. I'm so excited to put those kids through that. So there's so much to testing that angers me. And I just don't know, going back to return on investment of time, what are we going to get from these tests this year? I I don't have an answer for you because I think it truly, especially with the scenario you just gave, it's taking away from quality instruction because yes. now you're doing test prep yes. and you have these students who now have pressure 
because it's you're here to take a test. Okay, you're here so that sometimes, not always, and not with every student, but it does bring on testing anxiety. And then the same for the teachers. Now your teachers are doing test prep instead of instruction. And then there are teachers that now have anxiety because the focus is on testing. It becomes a reflection of who you are as a teacher, which then is a reflection of the school. And, and the pattern keeps going. When are we going to come into the 21st century for education? I, again, I don't know how to. That's the problem. Nobody does. You hit, you hit something right in the head. I mean, testing, it has its place. It has to. I have to know how well Abby is doing or uh, whatever teacher. I have to know if you're meeting the kids' needs. That's ultimately your goal is to meet the needs of the students and to grow them. But then you look at some schools, like when we were at Smith, fifth grade was departmentalized. The math teacher had all the pressure on him every year, and he knew it, and he was great about it. He did not back away from it. But every year, it was anxiety time for him watching those kids take that test because he knew that our star rating was greatly impacted by how well he had done that year. So you've got test anxiety and and teachers as well. Right. And you just said something, how well he did. And that is, that to me is unfair because like you said, I mean, you have 95 or a hundred kids in fifth grade and one, one teacher teaching math and everything falls, falls up on, on that teacher's shoulders for the scores. When, like, like I said, who knows if, if you've had a kid that's been gone somewhere for three weeks, not maybe this year because of COVID, but in years past, we would have students that would just be gone for three weeks out of town somewhere and they come back and then, you know, or, or they move in from a new school and they're still required to take the S back. So it's just a very, I think it's a, it's an archaic system. It needs to be revolutionized. I, I think it needs to be changed. I will definitely state my opinion and say that I do not think that we have to completely get rid of testing because I think there has to be a standard set and we have to, we want to see that kids are learning. I just don't know if the way that we're doing it now is the most effective and beneficial way. I do think that we need to take the elements of money being tied to testing and the quality of a teacher's teaching, I think we have to somehow take that out of the equation. And I think we need to look at these assessments and standardized testing more as a snapshot. I don't know. And, I, I You said one thing there, like the quality of a teacher's teaching. I don't know of another way to assess the teacher's ability to teach the skills and concepts they're supposed to. But what I said earlier is a teacher who can build relationships with kids and who is a mentor and an excellent role model might be a really bad teacher when it comes to standards and skills. You can't measure that on any kind of assessment. So there's no way to do an all-encompassing assessment that shows how good a teacher really is. Again, there's just no way to take into account all of the things that a teacher does. But there there has to be a way to measure you all. I know you don't like it. There has to be a way to measure you all in a fair way to hopefully get you to reflect. If your scores, Abby, I know you, if your scores came back and we had a spreadsheet, we had everything color coordinated. If your scores came back and your average was lower than your colleagues, it would have driven you nuts. 
that is simply peer pressure, not because I wanted to do it, but because we have to make sure these kids read. And if they do not leave kindergarten at grade level, then it gets more and more difficult. So you had to, I had to make sure that you guys were doing the best you can. Unfortunately, there's no way around that. Us as principals require that teachers meet the needs of the kids. We have to. And the only way to measure that in the eye of the public or in the eye, I mean, there's no way to measure if you're teaching them greater perseverance. There's just not. But the only way to measure if you're teaching the standards you're supposed to teach per the government is through an assessment. We use maps. I buy into map. Some people hate it. That's your perspective and that's fine. But if you hate it, how else are we supposed to measure you as an effective instructional person? Well, I think... I think speaking for kindergarten, I think there are other assessments that, I mean, they there is components of it that line up with MAP. And I know MAP is supposed to, it goes along with the standards and things like that. But I, I just, I felt like I got more out of the assessments, formative and summative that I were, I was actually using in the classroom and going off of my own teacher intuition. Now, like I said before, that that almost contradicts what I'm saying before. We can't go off of everybody's teacher intuition because everybody has a different compass and has a different intuition. So there has to be some sort of standardized test. I, I get it. I just, again, but comes back to, let, comes back to, go ahead. Let me bring it back to the admin side though. It doesn't accomplish what I just said where you're rating teachers because some teachers do not care if their kids are not doing well. And that's just a sad fact. I could line you up. I could make a line of effective teachers based upon map percentiles in the library in a staff meeting. And some of the people in that line towards the end would not care that they're towards the end. They'd be like, it's just a test. It doesn't measure what it's supposed to. That may be, but it's an assessment that each and every one of you gave. So therefore it's equal. And it's, it's, it's not picking out you because you're this or you because that. It's equal in the eyes of the students to show where you land percentile-wise against other kindergarten teachers in the district and the country, against other first-grade teachers. So if you can't take the fact that you're in the first percentile as a kindergarten teacher based upon a test that is given to hundreds of thousands of kindergartners, then I think that's a reflection problem on the teacher. And that Again, that doesn't help because some teachers do not care that they're first because it's just an assessment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I it's it, this topic we could go on and on because it's a very volatile to topic. It is. We there's a lot of discussion on boards and Facebook pages and on Instagram as you spoke of before. So we could we could spend. Uh, more hours and, and and episodes on this, but I think we should end it by just saying, think about your assessments. If you are somebody in higher education, maybe, maybe start thinking about how we can change the system to align more with what we're talking about today. I, I, I wish that I had direct answers and I wish I had some thoughts, but maybe the conversation that we've had today, maybe it'll spur some, yeah, and, some and ideas. If you're admin too, remember this year is not the end all be all with, with testing. I know it's hard because it's ingrained in our heads to look at mm -hmm. teachers and look at map scores and ask questions, but 
it's been a hard year. I think next year MAP, at least in Clark County, will be great because it's going to show the cream rising to the top when those kids get back in that classroom. The teachers that can get kids to catch up or to grow exponentially, much like you used to, or our previous guest, she used to, it's going to show the teachers that can grow kids. And next year is the best year to find out who can grow kids because there's a lot of growth to be made. I agree with that. We shall see. We'll 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 check back in. We'll check back in in another nine months or so. <laughs> so thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to our episodes and to provide feedback, leaving comments and messages. Those of you that um, have taken part in our Instagram discussions, we love it, and we look forward to many more thought-provoking topics. If you have anything specific you want us to talk about, send us a DM, send us an email. You can find us at It's All About Perspective 2021 on Instagram and have an awesome week and we'll see you next time. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We would love to hear your perspective on this episode. Head over to our Instagram page, It's All About Perspective 2021, or our Facebook and Twitter page and share your opinion. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast. And one last thing, remember, it's all about perspective. Perspective.